WandaVision, why isn't it okay for shows to just be okay? Game Whoa. Uh, whoa. Okay. Are you not a fan of the talented Catherine Hahn? No, she's one of the good things about the show. There are good things about the show. There are bad things about the show. The show is fine. Uh, Catherine Hahn, probably the best thing about it. The acting in general is great. The writing, not as much. The direction and visuals, not that good. Um, it's a it's a fine show, but it's crazy that people are this like, is, this show is a masterpiece, or like this show is dog shit when it's neither. I think it's your fault. I think um, I think you told you recommended it to me, and so now it's your responsibility. Um. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for I'm I'm responsible. I'm responsible <laughs> for your feelings about it. That's true. I'm 100 percent responsible mm-hmm. for how you feel about the show, but I'm not uh, responsible well, I'm for everyone. Like, I, it, uh, listen, you won't see this happen with Attack on Titan, the greatest television show ever made, and currently on TV that no one is talking about. But no, I mean, listen. Yeah, it's like I think some parts of it are fun. I like some of the cinematography, and I mean, the actors can make dog shit like at least watchable and fun. I like Elizabeth Olsen. I like Paul Bettany. I like Catherine Hahn. And even when they're doing, you know, uh, uninspired uh, scripts, they're still fun to watch. Yeah. Um, But like uh, there is this need to intellectualize uh, everything. And, And by that, I mean to like find a certain like level of intellectual value out of it. Um, and it's like everything does have a certain amount of intellectual value. And we certainly intellectualize things that people think are dumb, like video games here all the time. But I think that like that we still are able to say, oh, this kind of content is kind of operating on a three. And this content is like operating on like an eight or nine. And we take them at their level. And I think that WandaVision is just like some dumb, like fun baby superhero stuff, I guess, if you like Marvel stuff and trying to like make it more important than that or saying something more profound is just like, it's just not there. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's not doing the degree to which it's intellectually interesting has more to do with like the way that culture unconsciously reflects itself than it does with like anything the show is trying to do in terms of like its themes or like choices, which is fine. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. That's not what people are talking about. Um, People are talking about how the show is like this masterpiece. Like people are going fucking gaga for like what is grief but love persevering. And it's like. You guys, Darth Vader voice, you guys, that's like, that's some shit people would write in my like playwriting 101 course I took in college. Like it's not, it's not like massively innovative, brilliant writing. It's like, it's a good phrase. It's a good, simple way of describing grief. It's fine, but it's not like a masterwork of text. It's not like some like fucking Tolstoy shit. You're going to you're going to find that phrase written in blood on the wall in a Bioshock game one day. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, now that it's become like the icon of good MCU writing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, it's like um, you guys already won. I'm talking to the Marvel fans here. You the only movies that get made are your movies. They're everywhere. They're inescapable. You guys won. You won the culture war. The type of dumb shit that you guys like is the number one and only main thing that gets made with money in this town. And it's still not enough for you people. It's not enough that you guys completely won and it's the only content. We also all have to agree 
together unanimously that it's good content because at the end of the day, people are watching this stuff and they want to feel a certain level of intellectualness from it, but they feel hollow. So they're lashing out at other people. It's this it's this whole cyclical fucking thing. It's really fucking uh Awesome. Yeah. And it goes both ways, which makes it extra awesome because there's a bunch of other people who are sort of equally demanding that we like cast down the Marvel golden calf and like scream at it every opportunity. And it's like, well, this show isn't worth screaming at it about. Like, like you said, it's got some great acting. There's some cool stuff that happens. It's fun. Like, it's not a it's not a garbage can show. It's just a fine show. And like <laughs> that both sides of the spectrum, like feel this intense need to be like. Pro, like to treat this like a big thing that really matters and it's a big problem is like it just makes me feel crazy i think it goes back to the thing where it's like out, outside of the need to feel like what you watch is good and smart there is this also need where it's like the only battles that can be won like nothing is getting better about life that's been proven <laughs> like nothing we can't make anything better nothing is going to get better and the future appears to be cyclical and inescapable in nature. So it seems like culturally, culture war stuff is the only stuff where we feel like we can have any push or pull on. And so our relationship to TV shows then becomes our politics. I think that's and true. And becomes the way that we express and like, yeah, like rally around them. I think that's true. And I think that becomes double true with the pandemic where like people have nothing to do but watch shit. There's way less shit getting made to watch. So everything that comes out that's in the sort of cultural zeitgeist gets like triple analyzed because there's just nothing else to look at. Um, and people form these really intense parasocial relationships with fictional or podcasty people because like they don't have anyone else to talk to or interact with or think about. And so all the shit you're mm -hmm. talking about is 100 percent true and then gets doubled down by the fact that it's all anyone's allowed to think about because like you can't go to the store and see your friends. Otherwise, you'll die of COVID. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's just like it's 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 a horrible stew that has just made the discourse surrounding pop culture, which is like historically one of my favorite things to talk about. One of my least favorite things on Earth. Um, and it's making mm -hmm. me feel insane. Yeah, I mean, we need to we need to bring back Paw Patrol. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, I think that I think we need to uh, balance the ship. Um, so, uh, moving on guys, welcome to game boys. Yeah. Uh, welcome to game boys. It's your, it's your number one podcast. Uh, I am your host Griffin and I'm your other host Lux. And of course we're joined as always by producer Haley on the ones and twos. Hello there. Um, and, uh, yeah, welcome back to your podcast. No guests this week, but you know, don't worry. Uh, it's just a Griffin and Lux episode and we have, uh, strict minute by minute plan. It's going to be a full <laughs> 60 minutes of jam packed content. That's right. Yeah. Uh, if you can't tell by the mm. intro, this is one of those episodes we really planned for and thought a lot about before doing it. You know, what? I like it. I get to I get to kick back. There's only two squares on the video call. The second there starts to be three or four, then I got to move my head. I got to kind of pit, got to shift yeah. between. We also a lot of work. We've been really lucky with how cool all the Twitter friends that we brought on were the past couple episodes um they mm -hmm. were all fucking badass but it was every one of them started with a little bit of like boy i hope this person can get down with what we do um because we only know them mm -hmm. through like twitter exchanges and so getting rid of that stress is nice because like we do we can get down with what we do because we do it so it's, i was stressed out when we had ella emhoff on but it turned out she she could vibe with the with the best of them yeah well um, ella emhoff is a whole vibe am i right <laughs> that's mm -hmm. that's the, yeah. the people love to yeah. say about her 
you know, I'm getting Baron vibes from her. Um, you know? Yeah. I mean, except that Baron was so tall. And I think that is Mm. a big difference. Um, that was pretty tall for she's like a hipster tall. Yeah, she's hipster she's tall. Like a but, string bean. But Baron was like, <laughs> like intimidating tall. Um, yeah, he's gonna mm-hmm. he's gonna grow but, into a real freak in some kind of way. Uh, it's like it's like Baron's real mother was like a giant, yeah. like God of War. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, when when you know when Kratos Trump was fucking liberating Sparta. Um, Damn, did you see Kratos Trump yesterday? The the golden calf Donald Trump. Uh, I guess just I guess just regular Trump. Okay, I didn't know Did you if, see Trump yet. Yeah, I saw I saw some of the CPAC stuff. But yeah, the, I saw the statue. The golden, ca- the golden calf thing was it wearing shorts? I'm really confused. <laughs> it looked like he was wearing shorts. Which is funny because Chumroom kind of predicted that because we were photoshopping shorts onto Trump for the last couple of weeks um, because he's been operating down in uh, in Mar-a-Lago. Uh, right. Do you, in, like, do you remember that scene from The Irishman with, with Al Pacino about the shorts? Yes. <laughs> it's like the funniest scene from last year. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, yeah, he was just doing his Avignon presidency in like his Paul Frank shorts from Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. And that's like that's what he's mm-hmm. up to right now. Yeah, the shorts presidency. But yeah, the CPAC shit was crazy. It feels like we have three presidents. It feels like, it feels like Bernie Sanders is like the like actively fighting for legislation in a president way each day uh biden is like phasing in and out through the walls and then like trump is like the shorts president yeah uh, it does feel like we have it's one of those situations where like once you have too many presidents you might as well have none it's sort of how mm-hmm. it feels like things are going like because it is true that like Bernie and, and not just Bernie, but a couple of people in Congress are really leading the charge on like all policy developments. It's the same like three or four names every time uh, it Biden just appears to be like selling missiles to Raytheon and then shooting them at Syria and then not doing anything else. And then Trump is like agitating for his like next revolutionary uh, fascist movement. Um, and like, that's all they're doing. And none of them are really doing what the president does, mostly because the one who's the president isn't doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of nice, you know, like, um, it's kind of like, a, a it's a, it's a breaking up of the executive branch in a way, isn't it? It's, uh, it's a sort of spreading out of the, uh, you know, emotional weight of the job, um, maybe this is the beginning to, uh, you know, watering down the, the big chair. Yeah. I mean, make it a Jedi council, you know, mm-hmm. that worked, yeah, that worked yeah. out great for the Republic. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Those like those space pedophiles, the Jedi council, <laughs> yeah, you know, on the, the Lolita Star Destroyer Express. <laughs> um, yeah. All, all I'm saying is maybe the Death Star should have destroyed Coruscant first. Yeah. All I'm saying is it's canon. Kiati Mundi had a lot of wives. Um, and if you if you look at the Death Star the right way, it looks like a Q. Yeah. And that's important to think about. Also, if you write real or rearrange the letters and Senator or Chancellor Chief Palpatine the right way, it, it just spells Q. And that's <laughs> something we got to remember uh, at all times. Um, man, what a fucking funny name Sheev is for a guy to have for like an ultimate. Which guy is, which guy is that? Chief Palpatine is Senator Palpatine is the emperor. His real his first name is Sheev. <laughs> It's a, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the Young oh, Chief dude. movie. <laughs> when was that established, uh, the first name? Fucking uh, the Phantom books? Menace. 
It's in the fan. They say she. Yeah, because he's like, I'm Senator Sheev Palpatine of Naboo. Holy shit. I missed. Dude, the prequels are so much better. Um, well, the prequels are so much better than than the J.J. Abrams ones. It's like not even a debate. Well, The Last Jedi is better than all the prequels, but I'll say that the prequels might be. Are the, all the prequels are better than Return than Rise of Skywalker for sure. That's the worst Star Wars movie. Easy. Um. And the prequels are all more intellectually interesting than The Force Awakens also for sure. Because the prequels are like, Mm -hmm. the prequels are about like forever war and like the the collapse of democracy and like the dangers Mm -hmm. of surveillance and like, like, like military fidelity and like dying institutions. Like their movies about why like the Jedi suck. It's like a big part of those movies. And that's Mm -hmm. fucking super cool. Um, But also... Because they were inventing how to make Marvel movies at the time and they didn't figure they didn't actually know how to do it. They all look like shit is a big problem. Mm, yeah, I think they look great. Um, I think they <laughs> I think they look, look at least like they look unique. Like there's like a specific sheen to like their effects where uh, most other stuff is just so shitty looking. Yeah, now. well, they, they did. Um, they do the excuse of like they literally like the way that movies are made now. They invented it like that was the first time mm-hmm. anyone did the like giant blue room tennis balls actors talking to tennis balls everything cg mm-hmm. yeah and, and and it's like you know we we give what citizen kane so much props for like you know establishing like big cinema things and it's like you know what so did episode one fuck yeah, off you guys especially attack of the clones that was like the one where they really kicked it into high gear and it was like basically no sets and it was just like this is and like now we look at movies and like that's how movies are made. Like ILM invented that shit. And like, there's a decent criticism that the prequels were just a commercial for ILM to be like, look, we'll, we'll make all your movies from now on, which is kind of what happened. <laughs> but like, they also yeah, were I think like, they deserve it. Yeah, they deserve it. They were doing some shit. They made three <laughs> movies that were, they invented all the techniques from scratch. And that's fucking, you got to give them props. They kind of look like shit, but you got to give them props for just like inventing a whole way of making movies. Yeah. And, you know, I think I would normally agree with you about The Last Jedi being better than the prequels. But the more I think about The Last Jedi, like the more like I know what The Last Jedi aspired to be. But then whether it was Ryan's fault as a filmmaker or the compromises of Blossom blockbuster and franchise filmmaking um but like the third act kind of like completely goes back on any of like the stuff they were working on in the first two in my opinion and like just does not like stick to landing with like um something meaningful uh in my opinion uh in terms of like oh is there a different path other than just basic good and basic evil or something like is there a path of the gray or any of that shit seems like they kind of just totally whiff the ending whereas like phantom menace is just a nonstop roller coaster ride from start to finish, well, and any question you have is answered. I will push back on that a little bit in two ways. One, the thing with the Last Jedi A is that it's the it's like actually following up on the prequels in a way the other two sequel movies aren't. Like it's exploring the same ideas of like are the Jedi actually good um, that the prequels are messing with, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the thing that's missing is that because Episode Nine just punted everything from the Last Jedi back into the ocean. The Last Jedi ended being like, these are questions that we'll think about in the in the final movie of the series. And, and that's not a good movie. Well, except that it's the second movie in a trilogy. Like, that's what the second movie in a trilogy is kind of for. Um, but it's, still, you need to have enough of a statement to be a film on its well, own, I think, too. I think like, it, it can't just be like the statement comes next. I think in the context of Star Wars being like, is the Jedi Sith light side, dark side distinction like completely coherent is a statement. And then. 
it's a statement that would be strengthened by a movie that followed it up and was like, let's talk about it. But instead, the movie that followed it up was like, let's not talk about it. So you're right. A lot of the stuff that they were playing with ambiguity wise and like questions wise just like becomes kind of like comes kind of kind of spineless because there's nothing it doesn't it can't go anywhere. Right. And it's like Phantom Menace is not undermined by later films because it can exist on its own as a film. And that's why I think it's better. Uh, uh, but like, you know, with The Last of Day 2, it's like the whole ending just ends with Luke Skywalker being this huge hero anyways. Um, and it kind of forgets all the interesting questions it asked. Ex- uh, and then it's just like next movie, we'll say more. Ex- and I just don't. Don't think that's a good film except that it, what luke's doing is the opposite of like the jedi thing right because luke's doing the opposite of like preserving jedi-ness he like gives ray a bunch of mixed messages and then dies right he's not doing the jedi thing which is like making sure that there's someone in place to pass on the strict jedi doctrine to the next jedi like what he's doing is like the opposite of obi-wan and yoda and shit and he's intentionally being put in opposition to that. And I think that's cool. Like, again, the problem is, and this is this is true, is that it was very much written as part of a series. And when the rest of the series didn't do its thing, you're right. The movie can't hold up by itself because it was counting on something to come after it to, like, pick up where the third act ends. Um and it didn't have that. And so it's it, it just like if the like the, the main character doesn't even make any choices in the third act. She's like levitating a pile of rocks. And there's just like this massive act, two that's like really boring with the side characters and with Finn continuing to be mishandled. And it's just like, ugh, like there's some really good parts of Last Jedi. But as a whole, it just I can't I cannot defend it anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, I still think it's better than every Star Wars movie except for Empire and Rogue One. But that's. That's you know I think oh my god I, I think you're okay. I think you're making no Star Wars talk I think you're I making can't. good arguments I just don't think they're true, um, but let's let's talk about mm-hmm. something else that isn't Star Wars because we can do this forever. Um, I got a PS5 man. Holy shit! How do we not talk about that yet? Well, oh. Congratulations! Thank you. Shouts out to Forrest Walker, the PS5 getting god. It's crazy wow. how many PS5s he's gotten for people. Um, I think he's up like four or five now. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty good dude. That's yeah. People get addicted to getting them for people. I've been reading about this. Like people are addicted to just the hunt now once they got theirs. Yeah. Well, once Forrest, Forrest is a, a, a very kind man. And I think once he finds a way that he can help his friends, he just will do it eternally until he can't do it anymore. And in this case, that's been getting PS5s because he got one for me, then got one for Dietz, got one for Damon, got one for himself, got one for someone else. Um, and is working on some other ones. So shouts out to that dude fighting the good fight. But yeah, I got it. Um, That's good because it was really embarrassing to be holding this podcast up, but being the only PS5 owner. It's true. That must it have, needed to happen. Must have been such a struggle. Um, but now it was I, just a lot of responsibility, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's just nice. And now you kind of understand now that you're up here, right? Yeah, I do. Looking it's, down. It is. So, okay, here are my thoughts about it first. First of all, the controller. Oh, my God. The controller. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to sort of articulate without having someone experience it because like mm-hmm. what you're saying is like it vibrates at different frequencies depending on what's going on and the vibration moves around and like I've been trying to explain this for weeks on the podcast. Yeah, yes. and it's, it's it's super hard to articulate, but it's like everything you said is true. Like it feels incredible to play games with that controller. It feels so much better than any other controller I've ever used. Uh, it sits in my hand really nicely. Um, 
the games I've played, I've played Pathless and I played Astro's Playroom and I'm downloading Spider-Man now. Oh, yeah. So like when you're in the Astro's Playroom and you're swimming around, you're kicking around, you feel that shit. Yeah, that's inc- it's I've been mostly been playing that because it's like such an exhibition of like the mechanics and the hardware. And it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the one one of the problems I have with it right now is just that uh, Ethernet wise, it needs a, a Cat 7 Ethernet, which I need to or- I had just ordered one of those. I don't my old Ethernet cord does not do the job. So I need to get mm. a new one. And then once I have that, I'll start downloading the big beefy games, your 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 big Spider-Mans, your Demon Souls's, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great, man. It looks great. I got the 4K TV to go with it, um, which has Very nice. which has raised a different problem. We'll talk about in a little bit, I think. But it looks why? incredible. Talk about now. Well, I was going to talk more about why I like it before I got into my complaints. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but it looks incredible. Uh, Pathless is super fucking fun. Astro's Playroom is super fucking fun. I haven't tried bug snacks yet, but I'm very excited about it. Um, and it's just like, it's kind of, fu- you should have done that first kind of fucked up. Well, it was just that it was just that it's download size was big and the shoddy internet here is frustrating to download anything large. I'm just waiting till I have the good ethernet set up to download all the games that I actually like want. I want to have. Mm-hmm, yeah. Bug snacks is like 700 gigabytes. Well, it, it's more than like, it's more, to... it was more than like 10, right? <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying, I'm saying it's a lot. I, I think it should have been more. Well, we'll see. I'll, maybe I'll check it after this, but I remember it being more than it was definitely more than pathless, which is like three. Um, uh, which was that was sort of my speed, and I, I like Pathless. It's a fun game. Um, you get to jump around, shoot arrows, talk to an eagle. It's pretty sweet. Um, but so the things the things that frustrated me about it mostly are uh, the fucking size and render quality of every not just the games you download, but the screens you go to make uh-huh. my shitty internet freak out. Sometimes, oh, really? yeah, yeah, and that can mm-hmm. be. That's why I need the Ethernet cord because sometimes, like, opening the page to look at how to buy a game will take like six minutes. Yeah, you just had internet problems, and I think yeah, like the PS5 requires some tight internet for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it is it, it is strange to think about that, like our technology keeps getting better but the infrastructure of our internet continues to like stay shitty and get more expensive um and like i talk to people in like the twitch chat all the time that are like yeah like i I just have to listen to you on audio because my internet can't even handle the video and i'm like like jesus christ like twitch is like the biggest thing and like i bet there's a bunch of people who can like barely access it yeah i mean i mean you get shit like this you get shit like where i live just happens to be a place where like the only isp is spectrum and spectrum sucks um, mm-hmm. And you live in like LA 2.0. Yeah. I mean, Google Fiber is working its way north. Like it's getting closer and closer to us all the time, but mm-hmm. it hasn't reached our area yet. And so like, hopefully once that happens, everything will be great. Cause again, Forrest has Google Fiber and was just like, yeah, I can download any game in like 10 minutes and I have all these games and it's amazing. And the PS5 mm-hmm. is the most incredible thing in the world. Um, yeah. And I want that life, you but know, I don't have it. Yeah, man. I've been loving the, I've been loving the PS5 too. I just, I just replayed and beat Sekiro, uh, on it. And it, it's just fun to just, you know, have, have old games on there. Um, but sometimes the vibration is way too much. Uh, I've been replaying, uh, the Spyro games, oh, I can imagine. um, the remasters I can and imagine that's beautiful. a lot. <laughs> But like every time you get a gem, it vibrates the controller and you're getting gems like every other second. So it's like it's it's being like attacked. (laughs) And that's one like the pretty hard Um, vibrations, too. It's a hard. Yeah, it's like they didn't do it right. Like they didn't program it very well. Um, And and so it is funny, like but like, yeah, the, the controller is the most 
next gen thing about it and it's like not a gimmick it's like oh like people will like program for this this is gonna be fucking sick it's, it's awesome the next genitude of my situation mm-hmm. though is like i hinted at before a big problem because i have this thing where i have a smart tv now and the smart tv can tell what input you're on and it will tell the things that you're not using to sort of turn off while you're not using that input so if i'm downloading a game on the playstation and i go to watch a movie on the tv it just stops what the PlayStation is doing. Um, uh. And then and then vice versa. If I go to fuck around the PlayStation, it stops what the TV is doing. So it doesn't like process my order on Amazon or whatever. Oh, um, God damn it. And I don't know how to fix this, but it's very like it's the most fucking like problem of privilege in the world. Like I made a bunch of money gambling on the election. Joe Biden won. I bought a TV and a PlayStation with it. Very cool. <laughs> but like I, I, I lost a bunch of money, a money Trump lost. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that's you know, that's why one of us is a casino master and one of us uh, has a cool green screen. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's been this weird problem where like I can't get these two pieces of technology. I've been looking forward to having both at the same time to like play together the way that I want them to, and it's an endless source of frustration to me because I'm just like, yeah, this is not, this is not relatable, and that's what I love about it's it. Not really, you guys it, are all just well, you know, jealous and angry li- listening to this. Well, you know, I'm gonna make people mad the same way you made everyone frustrated when you had a PS5 and everyone else was drowning in PS4 suffering. I mean, people still are drowning in PS4 suffering. I, mean, I was reading this article on Kotaku today about like um, how it's still really, really hard to get one. And, but there's like all these communities like being built just around getting one. And like people have been in these communities for months. And it's like uh, people get their PS5s and then they just stay in the community giving tips or trying to hunt for a second or a third one. Uh, and uh, like some people are running accounts for free where they're up like t- fucking like 18 hours a day updating it with alerts and stuff on these Twitter accounts that now have like 150,000 followers on them and stuff like that. Uh, and it's just like, it's just, it's just so wild to me. Cause like, you know, you know exactly where I was. Like I was just like, Oh, I don't care about getting one anymore. And then it came to me, fell right into my lap. But like, there's just no way I would have put myself through the anxiety of like waking up every day with the possibility of trying to get it. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is that you have to give up. I think giving up is like Mm -hmm. a step in the process because I also gave up publicly. That's what I argued. That's what I argued as well. I think you're right. Like I because I publicly gave up on this podcast a couple of months ago. And then Forrest was like, hey, now that I've got my PS5, do you want me to try and hunt down one for you? Um, Mm -hmm. And then like four days later, fucking got it. That's the important part publicly give up you have to publicly say i i i've thrown in the towel and then someone will take pity on you and that is that's how we do healthcare in this country it's how we do a lot of things here yeah right because since america is a punishment machine you sort of have to show contrition and be like i've been punished for my sins please reward me and then the world sort of mm-hmm. will, will work in that direction um and that's always a fun thing to think about um, but yeah, it's, I, I do love, the, I love the PS5. I'm fucking, I'm so excited to play Miles Morales. Why? Um, I just like swinging around in Spider-Man games is like the funnest shit to me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's like 12 hours. Um, that's great. Uh, and the combat is improved from the first one, which is cool. Um, but it doesn't fix any of the other issues with the game that we didn't like. That's <laughs> like okay. how it doesn't. How it has like very little 
villains or heroes in it or anything like that. Um, but it, it is it is fun, and I wish that it just was as long as at least the first one. I mean, I don't um, mind if it's if it's what you're describing, where it's like not villain heavy, doesn't have a lot of plot going on, is like not like really getting into this shit. Then like I don't mind it being like a twelve hour swinging and punching sim. Uh, mm-hmm. that I pay like 20 bucks for or whatever. Uh, I think that's like, to me, is that, it 20 bucks? Maybe it's more than that. I mean, it was like 30 or something. Cause I got just the, I got just the miles Morales oh, thing. Well, not I got like the ultimate or, edition or whatever. Um, I must have gotten discounted already then. Maybe so. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, I'm into that. I like the idea of it being like a 12 hour, like sampler hardware thing. Cause like, you can, cause it's not, it's not one of the games I'm mega looking forward to playing on the PS five. Right. I have all my old JRPGs to fill on my time too. So it's like, I want the games right now. I only want games that really flex what the PS five can do until the PS five games. Mm-hmm. I really want start coming out. Right. Cause like, I mean, I've talked to you and Rory about demon souls and y'all have both made it sound like it would be stupid for me to buy demon souls. Um, uh, I mean, do you like dark souls games? Not super much. I mean, I played demon souls when it came out the first time, but I've never been like a huge from software guy because I like games where you've like never beaten bloodborne or you've never beaten any of the dark souls games. Yeah, bloodborne is what I've come closest to beating, but yeah, I haven't beaten any of those. Okay. Um, <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's I mean, in my opinion, it's like cool and it's definitely like it is like if you're looking for like a tech demo of the PS five, it's like one of the best looking things you could play. Um, but it is the, like the worst souls game. Yeah. And it's uh, just like, so maybe it's just worth saving. Like apparently like May 6th is like the day all of the fucking hot PS5 shit drops. I was just looking and it's like resident evil, the weird, like Rob. Oh, is resident village comes out in May. Yeah. Like the weird Robin Hood game. A couple other big titles are coming out May 6th, like May 6th for some reason is just like a big release date for these PlayStation games. I'm not sure why. Well, that actually leads us directly into a nice little segment. We need to talk about the state of play because the state of play happened this week. Oh, yeah. Um, Because we're talking about PlayStation games. Uh, Did anything catch your eye? I'm trying to look up what got even announced Um, there. Um, there I I think the big my big takeaway while you think about that is that like it really it really seems like this is the year of delays Mm -hmm. because like very little is going to be coming out this year for the PS5. Like the coronavirus, people were, are working at home, but it has slowed down the process a lot. And it just really, really seems like they like are a going to really, really try to make some boring games happen. Like this game Retur- Returnal coming out, which I'll explain. We can talk about, but yeah. like, and also. I think I'm going to make the call on this podcast right here. I am like 99% positive that God of War 2 is not coming out this year anymore. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd be willing I think to. that's a super high likelihood that it's 2022 spring now um, because it was not mentioned at State of Play and there has been no mention of it for a long time. And I cannot imagine a game like that, which let's be honest, God of War 2 is the real game to start the ps5 generation like all these other games are cool but like that's like the premier game right i I really can't think of another title i mean it's like the halo for xbox i mean final fantasy 16 maybe is competitive in terms of but that's not coming out for a while right well but and like but like you said neither is god of war 2 like that's that's what i'm saying is like those those are probably the two sort of flagship titles that i think People are that that would have in a normal time where we're living in like a normal part of history. 
I think the release of the PS5 would have sort of been in tandem with those games. Um, or at least they would have come out and they would have been like, hey, you don't have to wait too long for these games, which are like the games to be out. At least within the first year and a half, you would have gotten something on there. Yeah, um, um, but I do have but some yeah, thoughts on... Yeah, it really on, does seem like delays, postpones. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I have some thoughts on state of play. Um, you're right about the year mm-hmm. of postpones, which is part of why my state of play thoughts are, are such as they are. Um, I'm excited for Oddworld Soulstorm. Uh, I'm excited for any Oddworld stuff. So the fact that that's coming soon is pretty, <laughs> is pretty cool, pretty fun for me. Um, it, it's so funny watching the Twitch uh, streams of these shows because it's like a hundred thousand people just shredding all of these games yeah. and like just making fun of them, just being like sleeper next, sleeper, sleeper, uh, and like with Odd World, everyone was just like PS One game, WTF. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know, I love that shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not for everyone, but for me, that's a, a big thing, and I'm excited for that. I am in the very big minority that's excited for the new Final Fantasy VII stuff, only because. They did what I would describe as king shit, which is integrating characters from Cerberus Core, some shit that nobody on Earth gives a shit about, into like their new content. Instead of mm-hmm. like classic Final Fantasy VII characters like Sid or something popping up, it's like Weiss from Cerberus Core. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's to, that's speaking directly to like me and six other people. Um, mm-hmm. Some that's some B sides, right? Yeah, Final Fantasy exactly. shit. It's some B side shit, and so to me, that's awesome. Uh, but obviously, that's not like it's like you're saying. These are the things we're grabbing onto because, like you said, this is the year. Well, let's of talk about Final Fantasy for a second, in case they didn't watch it. There was a uh, new Final Fantasy. I guess would you, it's a DLC for the game, uh, starring uh, Yuffie and some other random ass characters that Vice. very few people know about. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I loved the re- Final Fantasy VII remake. I thought it fucking slapped. It was one of my favorite games of the year. I thought it asked really smart, uh, interesting meta questions about what is the nature of a remake or a sequel or a remaster, uh, and what is the relationship between a creator and its fans. And, uh, yeah, I thought it slapped. So hell yeah, I, I, I will be playing this on the PS5, uh, when I can upgrade the graphics. Uh, it'll be great. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it just, sure. Yeah. Yes. I'm excited about that. I'm, <laughs> right? I'm nervous that, so for this, is, this is good for the podcast. Um, everyone remembers a year ago, my problems with the hacker Salamir Z who hacked my mm-hmm. account and forced me to change, which account is my primary PlayStation Everybody five. Remembers. Everybody has that name tattooed to their life. I mean, if you listen to this show and sound Z is not on your kill list, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> um, but I have, I wake up and there's, it's like on my hand. It says, don't trust Salamar Z. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, good. That, because I made that mistake. Um, <laughs> and so he got the laugh. He got the final laugh uh, when I got the PS five because Oh, I turned no. on the PS5 and it was like, cannot sync to, to your PlayStation that's <laughs> here. Z is inside your PS5. It was like, I can't sync to your PlayStation that's system. here. And I was like, why not? And I realized it's because it can only sync to my primary PlayStation, which I had to change to a different one so I could get into my account and get Salamir Z out. Um, oh. So right now, my PlayStation I have is not my primary one, so I can't transfer any of my save files, which makes me nervous for Final Fantasy Integrade. Because I don't want to have to play Final Fantasy VII again from the start. Um, All right, we got to do something about this guy. Oh, I think okay. this was the what? end. I think this is the the like last uh, the last whispers of Salamir Z. But he got me good, even with the PS5. I changed fucking I changed fucking consoles, and he still 
messing up my shit. That's so fucked up. I'm so mad. I, I'm willing to go on some sort of hunt. Uh, but I, I do feel I do feel like Salomar. I feel like, A, this is not the last we've seen <laughs> of might, Salomar while you think he's gone. I think it's far from the last. And I think that we will find him. But when we do, we'll both be like very old men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I'm like in <laughs> hospice care, a guy who like who no one recognizes is going to walk in and like cock a gun and be like last respect from Salomir Z and then just shoot me in the head and walk out like that's how I'm going to die in like a retirement home or more likely like in a shitty apartment um, mm-hmm. and like yeah that's how it's going to go down because it's been like a year and a half and it's still coming up in like meaningful and annoying ways mm-hmm. yeah you know you know you know what's going to be different about retirement homes in the future couch co-op <laughs> You know, everyone's just watching Fox News, but like very few gamers in in retirement homes. I think that will change. I think there'll be a lot more games coming into retirement homes in the future. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. I think that there's going to be a lot more old people uh, just like playing Smash. I was just thinking about retire. I got retirement homes on the mind because I watched uh, I Care a lot on Netflix oh. and it was good. Yeah, it is good. It, I, I thought it was all right. It is weird that they kind of make like the state sponsored guardian kind of a badass anti-hero uh when mm. it's like a bad man but yeah i think it's, it's ultimately good i think it kind of undercuts its own ideas a little bit but that's all right i don't i mean i think that like i think it's like i think it's like exuding like it's like exuding like ironic girl boss energy like it's like i think i think it's like hard to like look away from like what she's done but like there is like this like driving confident energy to it yeah. and i think that's like that's like an interesting like uh like vibe conflict. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair <laughs> characterization. I think that I, I it does. I don't get the same mileage out of it, but that actually does make a lot of sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a question from State of Play: What did you think about the stuff about Sifu, the kung fu game? Oh, the old boy thing. Yeah, it lo- it looked kind of cool. Yeah, it looked kind of sweet to me. That was a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. That like some there's like maybe one of the benefits of things being pushed back is some smaller titles that maybe wouldn't have broken through the noise in a normal year uh, are getting a little bit more play, uh, which could lead to some cooler games like getting to the forefront. Like Sifu looked sweet. Like it's like time travel and Kung Fu. Like that's, yeah, that's awesome to me. But I don't think, I don't think it would have stood out if we'd had a Final Fantasy 16 update, if we'd had a God of War update, if we'd had, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff, if we'd had yeah. Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Mirage, whatever, um, or Death Wizard Tokyo, whatever it's called. It, it's true that God of War 2 had stuff to show, but they're like, you know, we don't want to steal the spotlight from Sifu. Well, um, they just didn't have enough it, stuff, you know. It, it, it's weird because the PlayStation, like what I want from the PlayStation is to like push next gen graphics and like everything like to the to the highest level with the machine um and and not having a lot of games to do that with and so like the only things i want to hear playstation talk about are like those types of games and whenever i see a sifu now i'm like i want that on the switch like like i'm not like i'm not going to play like for this kind of smaller scale indie like artsy looking game like i'd love to play that on the switch like the playstation is not where i go for that kind of content anymore. I mean, I think I think that's largely fair. Uh, the one way reason to disagree with you is I'd like to see what sort of 4K super high speed frame rate stuff rendering out of like high level cell shading looks like, and that's like true. different graphic design yeah. styles. Because like 
I think that there's there's obviously like photorealism is going to be incredible on the PS4 and like certain like classic video game aesthetics are going to be really clearly go to the PS4. But like trying mm-hmm. out what the other stuff looks like and how that plays at 4K high frame rate stuff is, I think, going to be an interesting experiment in like what's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to go through a few games that I thought and you can give me your quick, quick takes on them. Cool. Uh, things that I thought are probably just like they're going to try to make it happen, but it's not going to hit uh, Death Loop which is sort of uh, Dishonored meets Groundhog's Day. Yeah, that seemed kind of interesting to me. Um, yeah. It doesn't really grab me meaningfully because, like, I don't... What is it? It, it feels like one of those games where, like, you make a certain amount of progress and then, like, you start the loop over and then, like, knowing the things you know, you can manipulate the loop differently. Mm-hmm. Um. And those kind of games like Radiant Historia is like that. And like those kind of games are kind of fun to me, but there's there's nothing super new about it. And it's like I've never Radiant Historia like would have been more fun if it was just like a linear RPG. I think I think the time travel stuff just made it more confusing and like harder to solve the puzzles. Um, Mm. And so I'm not I didn't I didn't pop for that as much as like I thought I might have. Yeah, this one just is like, eh. Uh, it's like it's it, they're doing a very James Bondy trailer to it, and I was like, I don't have a good feeling for what kind of for like what the flow of gameplay is here, um, other than just Dishonored, which never really stuck with me. But uh, then we have Kena Bridge of Spirits, which is coming out for PS4 and PS5, and is already being released for like forty dollars, which means it's like a much smaller game. Um, any thoughts there? Yeah. Kind of an action adventure yeah. platformer. That one plays in the same space as seafood to me where it's like there's some cool art stuff going on that i'd like to see in 4k Mm -hmm. i do wonder if this one falls closer to like your criticism like your note on seafood like maybe that's more applicable to something like kina where it's like it just doesn't feel like they're pushing the art style far enough to make it feel ps5 y like seafood Mm -hmm. seafood does seem like it's really trying to do some cell shading shit that looks cool and could be really cool on a ps5 i don't get quite the same vibe from kina i mean i want to see more footage and shit first obviously but kina looks like it looks like a little weird it it looked the cinematics looked like pretty good pixar animation Um, yeah but like i don't know i don't think the switch could run kina i really don't think the switch could run kina um, yeah, I think it would have trouble. Maybe there's like a splitting of the day. Maybe it will. To me, it's the things. The thing with what you, like you said, the Pixar thing. I think that sort of hits it for me. It's like I've seen Pixar movies though, right? Um, and so yeah. like cell shaded stuff, stuff like Boring. stuff like that that I haven't seen as much is more intriguing <laughs> to me than like being able to render out a mm-hmm. style I already know. So I'm less. I'm I'm yeah. interested. I'm interested to see more. But uh, that's that's a that's a mm-hmm. let, let me see some more category. You know, there's also this game Knockout City, which is basically like dodgeball Fortnite. Uh, it literally has like a closing circle and like battle royale sense um, and everyone's throwing dodgeballs. Um, it looks very, very simple and it looks like what we're going to see a lot of this year, which is like a bunch of people trying to be the next Among Us, the next uh, Fall Guys um, and kind of all having that sort of cotton candy cartoon Fortnite style to them. Yeah, I think I think that's right. There's that didn't that didn't pop me really in a meaningful way. I like I think it's fun. I think it's like it's fun that that style of game is expanding into new directions and new aesthetics. And I think that's cool to like let more people get on this big social gaming experience. But like not for me, you know, just not my thing. Mm hmm. Yeah. 
Um, fuck that game is what you meant. Uh, <laughs> Solar Ash uh, is another just boring ass game. And honestly, just like I was like, this looks like fucking a mobile game. Yeah, Solar like, Ash. I'm did, sorry. Solar Ash did nothing for me. <laughs> it was like okay, like this is being run on a Samsung Galaxy. It's like okay, it just fucked the fuck off, like uh, trash. But there was one game that I had to talk about. Um, a game that really, really caught my eye and sent me down quite the wormhole. And I'm of course I'm talking about Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. Um, now, Five Nights at Freddy's, for people who don't know, is a horror series, um, that, and they've had uh, like five or six games out, and they kind of all are a little different in style, um, but they tell sort of a grand universe story about uh, a Chuck E. Cheese-style restaurant where at night the robots come to life and try to kill people. Um, and this seems like to be the most sort of big, like real full game they've done yet. Like this one's like fully 3d and like a world where you're running around um and it looked fucking pretty good what do you think i'm intrigued i always associate five nights of freddy's with sitting in a room and like the tension of checking monitors and like checking where Mm -hmm. things are and flipping switches so the like running around the elements of it are interesting to me um just as like a change of pace although i'm a little reticent because it feels like they had a formula that like popped was like like bang pretty hard um and so getting away from that is a little we'll see um mm-hmm. but i am intrigued they've gone away with it before too they've made a few other games that are like weird and different um that have like all these like different mini games in them yeah i've heard i've heard that i've heard those are good so like i mean i'm intrigued i do love the like there's a lot like a lot of the aesthetic and ideas of five nights of freddy's are very like shit that i like like animatronics coming to life and like meat bad evil Chuck E. cheese is like super fucking fun to me um, mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm interested in it. And I know I've played the first two, I think. And I think they're really fun. I think those games do have a really good do a really good job of the best horror games. Right. Actually, this was articulated to me really well in terms of amnesia. The best horror games are ones where like you can't tell if the thing you're hearing is the scary thing or not. Right. Like in amnesia, there's a part where there's an invisible monster in the water, but there's also fish in the water. And so, like, whenever the water, like, reacts like something's moving, you can't be sure if it's the monster or the fish. And so just the fa- the fact that water is moving becomes scary because it implies mm-hmm. a possibility. And Five Nights at Freddy is like that. Five Nights is like that where, like, there could be a sound in a part of the building and you're supposed to react to that. But it's not clear if it's the monster. And, like, they play with that in a really fun way. And so that's intriguing to me. And they're really good at that. And so it makes me excited for this game. I'm just wondering if embiggening it, it just takes away from that at all. It just no, it's just going to be more different types of horror tropes and like extended out. It's just going to be like to me, it looks like like a cartoony Resident Evil with like a more interesting story, because like uh, the second I saw this trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, this franchise is pretty big. And for some reason, like kids really like it, like like kids love this franchise and they like have birthday like Five Nights at Freddy's birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And it's like a huge hit for children when I think it's like a pretty scary game. Like I, I so I started streaming it the other night and. It was so much fun to play with the stream because like everyone was so like on the edge of their seat, focused like on like a moment by moment. And I don't know, there's like something about playing horror games on Twitch that is really, really fun where you really feel like kind of 
everyone is like with you and experiencing it beat by beat. Whereas sometimes if you're playing like a Call of Duty game or you're playing something else, it feels like people might be tuning in and out of the action. But like horror, like really sucks everyone into it. And it was just really fun. And I'm, I can't beat it. I'm so bad. It's at hard. It. Man. I, I'm on I'm on day four. And I couldn't beat it. Yeah, I've beaten, like I said, I've beaten the first two. They're difficult, man. It took me a while. It is hard. And it's a little bit as if it's like RNG, I think, because uh, like it's different. If you like each, if you reload the level, they come at you different ways. Yeah. Um, but man, they are really, really scary. And uh, it's like just the style of it all. It all worked so well. And then I just found that there's this huge lore and universe behind it. And I was going down all these like YouTube wormholes about like the the background of the of the murders and everything. And that, that their souls of children are in the robots. And I was like, this is just so much fun. I was having a blast with this game. Yeah, I mean, that's it's good. Those games are those games are really fun. And it makes sense that they'd be something that the stream could latch on to because it's like the same way that like horror movies make for the most fun fun movie nights like mm-hmm. the like tension payoff element of horror just like latches people in and that game is like i said it's really good at building tension by like faking you out and conflating types of sounds and types of visuals and and it mm-hmm. it makes you it makes everything feel really tense so it's like hard to look away which is what you I want. know it's kind of rng but like it it does feel like you're going up against an ai that like is trying to trick you and like so often in games the enemies are very dumb and like, you know exactly what they're going to do. Um, and like, it always is like really refreshing and like super scary, especially in a horror game when you feel like the AI are like as smart as you or about to play a trick on you. And like, it's the key to like a good horror movie is a good horror villain. Right. So even though five nights at Freddy's mm -hmm. has like a really kiddie aesthetic and kids love it because it's accessible for children and the scary monsters are kind of goofy. It's still scary because they're competently bad. Like they're competent at being, scary and bad um mm-hmm. and like you're saying that's what makes it so good is that it feels like you're going up against a murderer <laughs> like it doesn't yeah, feel like you're going yeah. up against a goofy machine or whatever it feels like someone's trying to fucking kill you which is that's mm-hmm. the juice um yeah mm-hmm. speaking of juice do you want to talk quickly about the pokemon stuff oh hell yes hit that track Haley. <laughs> I assume the Pokemon theme just played and everyone got to hear it. No, no, no. We're doing the we're doing the post Malone part. Oh my god, I forgot he did that. I'd already put That's that out what of we're my head. About. I'd already sort of like sectioned that off into like. But it was just the sex, though. The sex, though. <laughs> I can't. Did you see that? I part? did. I like. I did, and I just immediately put it in a box and like threw it in the garage. Like, I, that's what I want to talk about. Let's talk, I'm let's not talk about talk it. About anything else? I watched the entire Post Malone Pokemon concert, um, and it was a so much longer than I expected. They made it like oh, it was like it was like twenty minutes. It was like five different songs, like animated through like massive Pokemon landscapes. Like it was unbelievable how much time they put into animating this yeah, thing it was not on, like a four minute thing it was a huge thing yeah, they were on their grind and like a lot of people put in a lot of hours to make that weird post malone song 
Pokemon adjacent. Yes, yes. And 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 it was like striking because it was like, what is going on here? Like, look, this man has face tattoos and is rapping about sex while like a Lapras is swimming by. Like, why why did people think this was a good fit? And people told me, oh, well, kids don't care about Pokemon. It's millennials that care about Pokemon. Uh, and I was like, holy shit, is that true? I don't. If that's true, that might be true, but I do not buy that Nintendo treats Pokemon that way, because if you look at Sword and Shield or all the shit that they put out the past three or four years, like it's very kid centric in like mechanics exactly. and the challenge. So even if that might be a true observation, but it's shocking to me that Nintendo would treat it that way because nothing else they've done, including the things that they make money on. Right. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, the thing of our generation of gamers has been for a decade, basically ever being like, can we get a grown up Pokemon RPG? Um, mm-hmm. And like that they haven't done that, but they brought Post Malone in does not say to me that they understand the dynamic of their audience in that way. Um, yeah. So 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 I don't know. I thought it was very uh, based. I like I went into it with crossed arms. And honestly, Post Malone. I got to say everything about him. And if you put on paper would make me like, oh, this is like one of my enemies. And it's like, oh, no, I, this guy, he's charming. I like him. I like his music. And I thought he was a perfect fit. I thought that he felt like an actual Pokemon lover somehow. Like that, like he like actually liked the series and it wasn't like some weird Super Bowl performance. Like that, like he actually was passionate about the franchise. It just all came out in his performance. Yeah, I thought so. But like, you know, other than that, the one thing I did also want to note was it was interesting how it was an animated performance, but it was recorded live. It was so fascinating. Uh, it, it, it was like it was very clearly live uh, when he was doing it, but it was animated. It was like, oh, this is a very interesting style. Yeah, Well, that's the pandemic thing is people trying to figure out how to like make events feel big when no one's allowed to be at them. Um, and so everyone's experimenting with shit like uh, a pre-done animation matched to a live performance and synced up. I thought it worked. I was like, that's smart. It was cool. I was like, that's, it's like, cause like it's way better. Cause you can tell when it's like, it does feel a little bit like just a recording when it's like all pre-recorded. Yeah. But like giving some of that live texture with still like a high quality perf- like visual is like, that's interesting. That's yeah, smart. And he was like bringing the energy. Cause I think that he does like Pokemon. Like it, it felt like he <laughs> wanted this to be a good performance. Like he was bringing the, like, yes. this is for my Pokemon friends. I'm going to do it right for them. And like, he brought the energy <laughs> and like, that was cool. Like I, yeah, yeah. I still think it was a very strange thing and a very weird thing. I haven't thought about too much, but it was, it, it, it is. There's a lot of cool shit about it. Um, but mm-hmm. what about I don't know if either of us care about the Diamond and Pearl remakes. I don't shine shining diamond and brilliant Pearl. Yeah. Do we give a shit? I don't super much. Well, you know, which one? Every podcast has a shining diamond and a brilliant Pearl as the host. Um, which one are you? Um, um, I think I. I'd say. I think I'm the pearl. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think I'm the pearl. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I'm the diamond. Yeah. Um, I've got I've got rough edges, but I'm ultimately shiny. And I'm defined by my flaws, the way diamonds are. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm in a shell. And you're in a shell and covered in sludge, like how a pearl is. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about the thing I think we got to talk about was Pokemon Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, fuck. Or, uh it seems like they're just going to Breath of the Wild, like each of their major franchises. And I'm like, can't hurt. Can't hurt. I do. So, so there's part of me that's like this 
is great. Like, this is what I want. The game where you're just wandering around this huge world, chucking Pokeballs at things, having fights, being a little bit more of just a person in the world and less like a kid on a track the way that you are in most of the games. Another part of me is like, if we're going to do the Pokemon RPG, let's make it specific and not just like copy paste into Zelda the way that they're doing it. Um, And so that takes a little like that said, I do love Breath of the Wild. So it's hard to be super mad at that. But it's like. I don't know. I I have well, mixed feelings along those lines. They copy pasted it shittily. They copy pasted it shittily because it looks like shit still. Yeah, like they barely fixed the trees. The environments look very low res, and it looks exactly like Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness, which was a solid game, but that was a game that came out for the GameCube. Um, and it just it just like once again was like, uh, yeah. I have zero faith in them making this uh, a game that is like more interesting than what they've been able to pull off in recent years. Um, Pretty much zero faith in that. So while I'm like, okay, at least it's a step. Why does it still look like trash? And it, it still, it looks like only slightly improved sword and shield perspective. Like the town looks still like sword and shield. The outdoor area kind of looked like the outdoor area in sword and shield. And I was like, this seems like all the same mistakes. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about is that it's going to replicate a lot of the problems that you and I both have sword and shield, which is like, if, if you're barren landscape, if you're going to make the <laughs> promise that we get to dive headfirst as like individual characters into the poke world. I want to feel like that's where I am. I want to feel immersed. I feel like is Pokemon just like the C squad at Nintendo and all the fucking like ace players are like working on the Zeldas and like the Marios and then like all the just trash fail sons are like the Pokemon. I guess this will trash can with eyes. I mean, uh, it's like maybe so, especially maybe, because like they have no fucking ideas, especially because like people are just going to cop Pokemon games no matter like what's in them. Like it could be yes. like it could totally be like the new Pokemon are like tube boy dr dirt and just like yeah. a literal house and it's like and then people are like sure i'll buy it and so maybe there is like the, a certain degree the, to which the they're newest punting one on was literally like what if pokemon were bigger like yeah. that was will, the question of the most recent pokemon. i will say that having the pokemon <laughs> that was also a building was a pretty cool choice but like yeah for the most part that was the payoff yeah that was like the punchline to like <laughs> the entire 20 game. hour the setup. entire game was set up for the part where it's like now you fight the, the Pokemon that's a dragon type that's also a building. Um, um, well, on that note, I want to keep that building firmly in my brain because I want to end this on a happy note. And uh, yeah, uh, I, that's all I got to say this week. Um, we can talk more about Pokemon in general and everything else in the future. Um, but uh, Lux, anything in the PWR world or uh, anything going on PWR there? PWR Gaiden number three or number four is shooting soon. So it'll be up before the end of the month. So stay tuned. Uh, one through three should be on YouTube. And I was also on Doom Room uh, this past week, so you might be able to find that on twitch.tv slash Live, where I talked about weather control. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, well, what are you going to do next to the weather, Lux? Um, well, what I'm hoping is uh, just a strong heat wave all throughout Canada. Um, that, that, that'd be so cool <laughs> if you could actually do that. If like the one like racist trope was real like yeah the jews control the weather like everything else everything else is like eh, whatever but like the weather controlling the weather that is 
that's kind of cool. It's like, oh, what? So you know, you're like Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah, it's an all store. It's all I want. Um, I wish I could just make it hot uh, in places I don't like and cool in places I do like. Um, <laughs> there, all these people, all these people are on a forum being like, actually, Halle Berry was Jewish in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, who, who can say for sure? Um, the canon. It's ambiguous. Um, guys, check out Haley's stuff at the Memory Static uh, podcasts. And eat every sound and, on YouTube and Instagram. Yes. And then, of course, twitch.tv slash choom room. Join the, join the interactive experience. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, let's, play, let's play it out to some more posts. Malone, the Pokemon number one. <laughs> Everyone have a lovely week. Bottles gave ugly color set. Out the window of the pencil, we get taken in the rip.